Thank you for tuning in to Entertain the Geeky, your source for nerd news. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to Nerd News. This is Jason with you as always. I'm joined by my good friend Joe today. Hello. <laughs> um, Joe, you probably know, he's been on several other episodes of the uh, the Entertain the Geeky podcast. Yeah, yeah. I go on there, I piss Roger off. I don't talk to them about Star Wars. These are the things. I don't understand you. I, this, is, this is a man, I will let everybody know, this is a man who's not watched the new Star Wars trailer. I, I have not. Um, well, I mean, the director said don't, um, and my brother this told me he really wishes he hadn't. And honestly, like, I went into the whole thing um, not wanting a trailer anyways. Like, all I needed was, like, a preview that just, like, showed me a starry sky and have <laughs> Star Wars come up and give me a date. And that's all I needed. That's well, all I needed. Yeah. So, yeah. No, I have not watched the newest trailer for for it. And I've been trying to do my best to avoid uh, anything related to it. I mean, I guess while it is true that there is kind of inferred plot points that are given away, right. it really could be two separate shots that are taking place in two different locations and they just cut them together to make us all think about what's going on. There's a good possibility of that. And, and I mean, it's probably nothing extremely to worry about, but again, I didn't need to see anything from this movie. I just needed to know what day it came out. I mean, yeah. I, mean, I was going to go see it regardless. Well, so yeah. the less I know going into it, the happier I am. That's that is not I'm already me. mad that I know that paper exists. <laughs> that is not me at all. I have to absorb every single scrap of information oh, I, that I can. I know, I know. From the 1800 TV spots for every movie that Marvel has ever made that you kept trying to make <laughs> no, me watch no, all the time. No, no, no. I watch TV spots, okay? TV spots are just literally, you know, cut well, together mean, moments from trailers that Civil existed. War had like 18 trailers. It and you wanted four. me to watch? Yeah, I had four. Cool. I needed uh, <laughs> I needed uh, not seven. So anyway, uh, we haven't talked in a couple weeks. Uh, I apologize for that, but uh, some some interesting stuff has cropped up. One of the big things I'd like to start with is uh, Super Mario Odyssey has, yeah. has come out for Nintendo Switch. And while I still personally don't own a Nintendo Switch, mistake. Uh, I, I'm, uh, I'm hearing they, they've. With Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild and Super Mario Odyssey, most sites are saying that they've got the two biggest games of the year. Easily. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, Breath of the Wild was probably the best thing that's ever happened to the Zelda franchise, arguably. Yeah, um, I mean, we've talked about that and, at length on the and show. And apparently, <laughs> Odyssey is the same, but for Mario. Yeah, I mean, what I'm hearing is that it is a return to form for Mario, that it's, it's, it's definitely got the framework of what, you know, games like Super Mario 64 and Super Mario Galaxy had, mm -hmm. but it also introduces a, a bunch of new elements to make it feel fresh and yeah. not feel like just a rehash of something yeah. old. Uh, apparently it's very familiar, and if you love those, you'll absolutely love it, but it's definitely got its own thing going on. Well, I'm, I'm intrigued by the hat thing. I always, I thought that was really oh, him, cool. him tossing his hat on the things. And, and being able to take control of things? Yeah, no, I mean, who doesn't want to run around as a giant T-Rex with a Mario With hat? a mustache. Yeah. They put the Mario really? mustache on all the it, things it, and he takes it's over. so adorable, honestly. <laughs> I, need, I need a plushie of that for a friend of mine who's a big fan of both dinosaurs and Mario. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it definitely looks like you know, you, you see the little the little things like the triple jump and the yeah. things that they've kind of come yeah. to, to be standards for Mario in 3D. But then you get the elements like, you know, Mario's in the real world at some point. I mean, there is a part yeah. of it that is, you know, 
I guess the game in and of itself is kind of a sandbox style mm-hmm. game. It, it, it is very sandboxy. Um, what I honestly, I think my favorite thing I've seen that I really like about it is uh, there, there are definitely spots that you weren't like designed to be able to get to, but of sure. course, because of mechanics, they work that way. And and the designers knew that going in because they've stuck various rewards in really weird spots sure. that you would only get by doing dumb stuff. So you've you played it. You own it? Uh no. Uh I've I've played a little bit of it. Okay. Um, but I haven't been able to go and get my own copy just yet. Okay. Stuff. Well when you do, we'll have to have you come back on and talk yeah. more about it in detail. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it looks too. fantastic. I mean it, it definitely looks like something that if you're a Mario fan or if just a you're just a video game fan. It looks like something that's worth checking out. Absolutely. Which is the same with Breath of the Wild. You know? Yeah. You know, if you're a Zelda fan, I'm sure it offers so much. But oh God. I, even just a, a video game I, fan. I've beaten it, like, the main story three times, and I'm still not bored of that sure. game at all. There's so much in there. Well, yeah, like, I mean, right now, I'm just running around trying to collect literally every horse. Sure. Because I've got nothing better to do, and it's never not a bad time trying to sneak up on horses, right? Well, even though they keep kicking you in the face. Well, there's also, you know, uh, what I've heard and what I've seen in videos is like deer and various other things within the world that mm-hmm. you can turn into mounts. Yeah, for like, yeah, you know, yeah. dude, it is so hard but so rewarding the first time you manage to corral a bear. Sure, yeah, <laughs> like riding around on a bear, riding around on a like, horse, it's, or a deer. it's fucking ridiculous, yeah. but it's so good. So satisfying. Well, so uh, other game news: we had Paris Games Week uh, last week, and among many of the the interesting things that popped up, um, some weird absent things that I was kind of hoping to see, but we still haven't seen, like Final Fantasy VII remake and, mm-hmm. and, and new footage yeah, from some upcoming things coming real slow. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense. They're crafting; they're they're trying to recreate one of the largest video game worlds, ever. right? You right. know, so it makes sense. And they also probably want to add in their own things and try to I, kind of... I would just like it before I turn 30. Yeah, I mean, I would like it before I die. <laughs> that would be good. Yeah, that would be good. But one of the big things that popped up was uh, new footage for God of War, which, I mean, as as a God of War fan, as somebody who's played every single God of War game, including those little PSP games that they released... Um, yeah, which, I missed those ones. I well, don't own a PSP. They, they, I, didn't, I didn't own a PSP either. They remastered them when they did the God of War collection for PS4. Oh, yeah, they so did. Those God of War 1, 2, and 3, and then the two PSP well, I only like, kind of own a PS4 right now, so sure. I'll get around to that someday, maybe. Yeah, I mean, it was Chains <laughs> of Olympus, Ghost of Sparta. They were short, short games. Right. They were designed for handheld. So. Right, right. I heard they were they were good, but I definitely wasn't, like, super missing anything by not having played them. No, they were so. worth playing if you were a fan of the, the gameplay that right. God of War has, has come to, to do over the years. Gotcha. But they definitely look like with this new game, they're, they're just... They're leaving that formula behind, and they're going to try some new stuff. Yeah. Norse no, mythology. Like, all, all the footage we've seen has been real, real good. Yeah, and they showed up just like two minutes of gameplay footage showing Kratos and, I guess, his son, or I'm not really who, sure. Who we're assuming at this moment is probably his kid, possibly he, his kid. He calls Whether him adopted or not. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you would think, the, the, the thing that always kind of stuck in my craw about Kratos moving on and having children and stuff is how tragically his first family was ripped away from him. Right. By his own hand. No right. Not, no less. Yeah. No, he's, he's like Hercules, but worse. Yeah. Um, well, the, the other thing that bothers me about it too, is we've heard a, a mention a couple times of the mother, but we haven't seen her like at all yet, which don't get me wrong. We're very early stages, very little footage. Right. It's 
it's totally understandable, but that that concerns me. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if he was like just adopting this orphan boy. I mean, that could be too. You yeah. Know, I mean, kind of situation, they, and he just calls him father out of like elderly respect, kind of situation. Yeah. yeah, I could see that. You know. Yeah. I mean, hopefully, we'll get some more information as time goes on. Again, this was just a quick little gameplay trailer. It didn't really show off any story elements. No. Um, other than the fact some, that you hear, visuals. yeah, you uh, hear the kid make reference of Valhalla and hell, right, and right. those kinds of things, which are really cool to, to hear. Which makes me, you know, like wonder: Has Kratos talked about his history with like the Greek mythology to this kid at all? Well, no. I mean, I don't know if they're what they're doing is is you know just gonna leave all that behind and show right. us a new chapter, or if that is what helped shape him into this new person, right? But it's definitely going full. Norse mythology now. For there sure. doesn't seem to be any leftover Greek mythology there at all. Right. Um, between the beard and the Mjolnir wannabe axe. Yeah, he's got an axe that he throws and it returns to his hand like, and, like Thor's hammer. I mean, we got Christopher Judge voicing him. And that's just a good time for me. You know, it's, it's funny to me, and I, we were talking about this, but it, it, it doesn't sound that dissimilar from the old Kratos. No, no, uh, for sure. Um, it, it just sounds like an older, gruffer, maybe slightly wiser, because he isn't as loud and brash right. a, as much, which definitely makes sense. Like, it's a grown character. Yeah. But, like, I, I spotted that voice from a million miles away. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, again, I was never a fan of, uh, what was it? Stargate. Star- 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 yeah. yeah. I saw the movie. I never saw it. I never watched the, the television show. Okay. See, um, yeah. The, the movie was one thing my dad really liked, and he doesn't like a whole lot of things, so sure. we super watched that show, right um, and it, it helped that both of my parents were kind of fans of MacGyver, so Richard Dean Anderson brought them in, yeah. and like, mm, it, it was a great sci-fi show. Yeah, I can understand that. And, and yeah, so I grew up with Christopher Judge as Teal'c, and the moment I heard him popping out of Kratos' mouth, I was just like, alright, yeah. I, I was excited about new God of War in general, now I've got... Christopher Judge and Norse mythology, right? Just, just give me a copy right now, please. Well, yeah, I mean, if, if they bring if they bring any of what they brought to the Greek mythology, you know, into this game, if they bring any of that kind of gravitas that mm-hmm. they that they brought, it, taking a story that we know, we know who Zeus is, we know who Hera is, we know who right. Hercules is, but finding new ways to integrate them into what that old God of War story was was right. very interesting. Understanding that Hercules is not a hero. Right, like he was, yeah. he was here as champion. Right. But what that meant was that sometimes he was terrible. Yeah, no, they they did a really good job bringing the old school gravitas of like the original myths, yeah. not the ones you learned in grade school, right, or saw um, in a Disney movie, right. Hera's <laughs> <laughs> not that nice, um, but no. if they if they can do that with uh, Norse mythology as well, and I'm fairly certain they can pull it off. Um, yeah, I mean this this seems like the start of something. You know, I mean, we, we had five, six, seven games in the original God of War story. So you had three, yeah. the three main games. You had the two uh, PSP games, and then there was a prequel game, God of War Ascension, right? Um, which was also very, very fun. But those, you know, if, if that's an indicator, this could be the start of a new franchise for the for the characters. It be fantastic! It's so good, right? I just, I, I cannot wait. Every scrap of information that keeps coming up, I am latching onto because I'm yeah. that kind of guy. I need to know everything that, that's going on. Um, but seeing him use the seeing him use the axe, if you're if you're familiar with Kratos and the chain blades, it seems like they're they're finding a good way to kind of mimic that with the axe. Yeah, to where you still have like a good 
distance combat yeah, as well as close quarters. It seems like it's it, you know there's there's obviously the throwing aspect of it mm-hmm. and it returns to you, right? But it also seems like it gives off some kind of energy because there's yeah, one point in the trailer I mean, where he swings it and guys that are at least a few steps away, right? There's are a big slash that yeah. goes right through all yeah. three of their chests, yeah. And that that was that was a sweet new power, and I need every part of it. Absolutely, um, I need that axe. Yeah, that's what I need. If anybody knows how to craft a magic axe like that, I will pay you <laughs> much gold, <laughs> much gold, <laughs> much gold for this axe. Um, but let's switch gears. We we you know there are some other things that came out of the Paris Games Week that were interesting. Um, but we are we are literally we we just got Thor Ragnarok and we're we're going to review that and stuff. We'll, we'll we'll talk about that in a separate podcast. Um, but. You know, the next thing we're, we're looking forward to is Justice League and Punisher. Yeah. Who, you know, which debut the same weekend. Yeah. Oh, God, it is, isn't it? Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Punisher comes out the That's 17th. It's going to be such a busy weekend for me. Because new Pokemon games come out that weekend, too. <laughs> of course. Yeah. There's always new Pokemon. There, There is. Um, but, but uh, yeah, Justice League, I, I, I'm cautiously optimistic uh, about what this movie will be because I've been disappointed in the past by things that right. I've done. Wonder Woman blew me away. Yeah, I was excited to see a movie that, that made me, you know, happy to be a fan of DC again. Right, as a movie. No, I, I think one of the things that gives me big hope for it and then the the future DC movies is um, a statement. I don't know if you saw this um, that came out not too long ago from the DC camp as a whole. Sure. Um, they're not going to try as hardcore to do like the big shared universe like right. Marvel's doing. Yeah. They're they all the individual character movies are just gonna be about telling a good story and and not worry too much about how they integrate to each other. And that's fine. I'm okay with that. Like, I'm okay with that too. Like, but Marvel has spoiled me that that's fair. This idea that if you're telling me stories that involve the same characters, it should it should build a world. That's fair. Um, yeah, I mean I I haven't always needed that and don't get me wrong, I love I'm a big fan of what Marvel's done with that. Like they, they've shown what you can do with that kind of thing, but it's not always been that case for movies for most of my life. And I'm okay with not having that. Right. You know, I mean, I mean, I guess I am too. I mean, like the, the Batman animated series, half of those episodes don't line up to each other in the order they came out in. Well, stuff. sure, but when you look and at... And that was still the greatest thing that ever happened to Batman. Well, but when you look at Batman Animated Series, Superman Animated Series, Justice League Unlimited, these were all the same universe. This they were building true. the same universe. Right. They had the same voice actors. They wanted you to feel as if all of these things happened right. together. And they're right. all building on something bigger. And I, I think that, that as as a model, Marvel has tried to take that, and I think they've succeeded in, in really creating a narrative through 17 films now. To with Thor yeah, Ragnarok, seventeen, 17 films. Um, they've done a good job of crafting this narrative, and I, I, I don't get me wrong. I don't want DC to just copy what they've done, right? But I do want to feel like these people exist in the same world. That's fair. So I don't need Batman as a singular movie to connect to Justice League, but I do need Batman to feel as if this character is the same guy he was in Justice League. Well, I'm sure we'll have that at least. Honestly. I hope. I'm I'm fairly certain we will. When you give directors their own creative liberties, sometimes sometimes not so much. I'll you know, agree to that. Ant Man is a perfect example. Edgar Wright's vision for Ant Man would have been probably spectacular. 
I mean, Edgar right. Wright is fantastic. He he was he was the man working on it for most of its production. Right. And then creative differences, you know, quote unquote creative differences, caused right. him to depart from Marvel, and they gave the the role over to Adam McKay, which was great, and the movie turned out really well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, and I'm sure it fit in much better than Edgar Wright's original. But that vision. was the yeah. point, right? Like his vision was: this is a movie about Ant Man. This isn't a movie about building the Marvel universe. This is just a movie about this little thief guy, right? And while I think that probably would have been spectacular to see, I understand why they need these movies right. to build on each other. So I'm really just hoping that the directors that they get to do these solo projects don't take too much. You know, move too far away from the right. source. Right. No, that's that's definitely a worry. Um, but, but regardless, but I'm we've got Danny Elfman doing the soundtrack, and that's all I needed in my life. Oh, Danny! No, Elfman. In, in all He's honesty, the poor John Williams. Did, did you hear the uh, Heroes theme, like main theme that he released for it? Yeah, he's he's bringing back like the classic '80s Batman. Well, he's bringing that back, but. Um, of like the the new songs that are produced for it, they released like the the heroes theme, like the justice theme, the theme, for it. theme. Yeah. yeah, and okay. it's really good as far as the soundtrack song goes. If if you're into that sort of thing and you haven't listened to it, listen to it. Sure, I'm not saying that Danny Elfman is not a good composer. No, no. But when you look at, but if, I mean, if you, you were to take compete with John Williams, well, no, I'm not trying to say <laughs> that. I'm just saying if you look at Danny Elfman's work through right. the breadth of his career, if you compare this to this to this to this, you start to hear that his range doesn't go very far. You start to realize that this guy's got a very singular vision for music. Right. Whereas when you look at John Williams, especially with Force Awakens, when they brought him back, he did new music. And yes, there is classic music that is represented as well. When you hear those new themes, they capture what they should, but still manage to bring something new to the table. Right. And again, I'm not comparing Danny Elfman to John Williams because no one compares to John Williams. The man is a master composer. Yeah. But... Talented bastard. But there is definitely uh, something that is similar throughout all of Danny Elfman's scores. And I'm not... Yeah. I am excited to hear the 80s Batman score again. Yeah. I am excited to hear that. I think that was something I, I liked about Spider-Man Homecoming was during the Marvel logo. Right. Kind of a different take. Yeah. On you got like the Spider-Man Spidey theme. theme. Yeah. yeah. No, that was, that was a nice throwback. Yeah. That I really appreciated about that film. But yeah, um, no, and then Justice League. Yeah. Punisher. The looks same real week. Real good. Man. I mean, the same day Marvel is, is saying, screw DC. We are going to release a Netflix show. Right. On the same day as one of their big right. movies. No. And that, the, the trailer we got for that, blew my mind out of the water for for what I expected out of a Punisher show. Well, and and it seems, you know, yes, we have Karen Page, and you mm-hmm. probably have some other references to other things that have been going on in the oh, Netflix sure. universe, but it definitely, from trailers, seems like this is going to be a very standalone yeah. kind of story that is not concerned with building the Netflix universe, right. it's just concerned with building Frank. Right, which which is good, because Frank doesn't play nice with others, yeah. and, and he super doesn't fit well alongside everybody else, yeah. as we saw very, very easily in uh, Season 2 of Daredevil. Yeah, Punisher okay is with not him a not Hanging out? Yeah, no, no, God, no. Can you imagine him and Luke Cage trying to hang out? It's not going to go well. No, no, not at all. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I'm okay with it being a little more singular, a little more enclosed on just building Frank. Um, yeah. a, and probably a whole hell of a lot more violent. Oh, yeah. And and I'm okay with every part of that. 
Um, yeah. I have no doubt that it's going to be, especially when you look at it compared to other Netflix shows, I definitely think it's going to be the most violent. Right. I know it'll be the one my brother will critique the most, but that's because he's military and he'll poke at it real hard with that well, stick. That's um, the thing that I think is, is most impressive or was most impressive about Frank in just Daredevil season two. Yeah. The military advisor was great. I mean, yeah, you no, see they, him holding that they weapon. Made him look and feel like an ex-marine yeah. for sure he's holding that weapon properly he's yeah. you know he's got a line of sight he's correctly. moving he's properly yeah cover correctly in and out he, they did a real good job yeah i mean basically they, putting him through boot camp well yeah they and they hired a uh, you know a military advisor i don't know what the guy's name is but they had a military advisor on set every right. for every scene that Frank yeah. was in look if if you know the the, the scene sitting in the park there was, you know, a very interesting, uh, if you are the kind of person who looks up weird behind-the-scenes videos like I am, yeah. um, there was an interesting, you know, the military advisor was on set the day they were shooting the scene in the park where the Irish guys capture him. Yeah. Um, and he uses the one guy as a human shield for a part of that. And even though he's supposed to be, you know, he's hit with the, the sleep darts and he's supposed to be getting woozy, mm-hmm. the military advisor was... was was there kind of talking about how even in those moments, your feet have to be in a certain way. Your how you assess this situation has to be a certain right. way. So even though he's falling unconscious, he's still very tactical about the situation. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's not just even training. It's instinct at that point yeah. too, because of how hard that stuff would get drilled into you. Yeah. So you have to have it. And it's, they did a real good job. And as long as they've got at least that guy, if not like a team of that guy. Yeah. Even the time will be fine. Yeah, I'm excited, yeah. man. I yeah. cannot wait to see it. No, it's going to be real good. Um, so before we get before we get done here, I want to touch real quickly on what's been going on recently in Dark Knight's Metal. We are we are past the halfway point at this point. I mean, as far as the main series goes, we've only had three issues, which will be a total of six. So we're at the halfway point with that. But when you look at the schedule as a whole, you know, from right. the start of this to the end of this, we are past the halfway point with uh, with tie-ins. The Gotham Resistance tie-in is wrapped up. The Bats Out of Hell tie-in has just started. And I, I, I want to talk about a couple of the, the, the you know, key issues within this story that are kind of building these dark Batman. Um, most recently, The Drowned and The Merciless, which is the, the kind of Aquaman crossover right. and the Wonder Woman crossover. Right. Um, the Drowned was very interesting because it's a it's it's one of the you know universes where genders are swapped right so the men are female and the females are males yeah that that confused me a little the first time i just saw the cover yeah but before i knew details i was like "Hmm, all right what did we do right what what's the key point where this changed yeah so we're gonna i'm gonna get into a little bit of spoilery territory here so if you've not read you know either the drowned or the merciless you should you should go check those out they're fantastic books and then and then come back to us um but so we we you know starting off with the drowned Right away, we're we're introduced to Bryce Wayne as opposed to Bruce Wayne, so a female version right. of Bruce, um, who is uh, in a relationship with a Kyle, so a you know a, a male version of Catwoman. I don't remember the, the first name of the man at this point, um, but uh, the Kyle character is killed off, and Atlantis comes forth from the ocean and. They kind of at first are wanting to make peace with the human world, but Bryce, as the kind of 
tactical thinker that we know Bruce to be right. um, knows, or at least has to plan for the contingencies, Celeste has to plan for the, the terrible things that could happen. And inevitably, things do go bad. Of course. Bryce is proved correct. Um, and she undergoes a terrible experimental surgery that alters her DNA, basically making her able to breathe underwater. Right. And uh, she gets gills. Yeah. She's really gills in the water world. And vomit this, what they what Aquaman refers to as dark water, which is, I, I don't really know how to describe it other than it's literally an ocean of undead creatures that she controls. Yeah. So you get like the undead sharks from Black this night, right? And stuff again. It comes from her though. That was this almost as if she's vomiting up this dark water. That's real awkward. It's weird. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is strange. It's awkward to think about. And she proceeds in Earth Zero, which you know, if you're familiar, uh, Earth Zero is the Prime Earth. So it's, it's right. the Earth that regular DC comics take place on. Yeah. Um, she proceeds to drown Amnesty Bay, and Amnesty Bay is the hometown of Arthur Curry, mm-hmm. who is Aquaman. Um, his father lived there because, as we know, his father was human, his mother right. was Atlantean, so he's part, you know, of both worlds. Um, but yeah, she proceeds to drown it and obviously draws the attention of Aquaman and Mira. Of course. And then ends up, like, turning Mira into... What I can only describe as a Black Lantern. I mean, you, you mentioned Blackest Night. Yeah. He, Bryce turns her into kind of an undead. Thing. Okay, okay. So kind of um, like how we saw like Superboy and various others in uh, yeah, Black Fall the Black Rings. Okay, with the exception of the fact that Bryce seems to do this just with the dark water, with her dark powers. Um, she doesn't need a conduit for it. When the dark water washes over Mira, she becomes this thing. That's awkward. Yeah, it's real awkward. And previews I've seen for books that I have yet to read. Uh, you know, seem to show that she even devolves further and she becomes one of the monstrous things. Okay. So the, the things that Bryce controls, it seems are not just creatures. They are right. what was once people. Okay. Whether that be Atlanteans or humans or and, whoever. And whatever gave her this dark water is also like poisoning her slowly into a monster. I mean, I would say she was a monster the moment she made well, this decision, but yes, yes. But there's a difference between monstrous personality and monster on the exterior as well. She is, you know, when you see her in the past, she looks like, you know, just a, a human with mm-hmm. gills and a costume and stuff. But when we see her in the in Earth Zero, it seems as though her face is a little paler. Okay. There's more kind of, you know, veins and, and things like this. So yes, gotcha. she is something is this power has altered her gotcha. in some way. Um, but it, it was a, it was a fabulous one shot. It was, I don't think it stands out as much as some of the others have. I mean, I've talked about the Dawnbreaker on the show. I've talked mm-hmm. about the Red Death on the show. I don't think it stands out as much as those, but it's definitely worth a read. Um, she, she is definitely one of the, you know, the driving forces behind, just because of how powerful she is. She's definitely going to be one of the driving forces behind them taking over the world. Oh, absolutely. Or attempting to. She can turn people into zombies. Yeah. I mean, Yes. <laughs> Yes. So that we had the, you know, we had the Batman Aquaman kind of thing. And then the Merciless was, was the one that followed that. And that one had kind of a, an interesting feel as well, because that's a a Wonder Woman amalgamation, but it's not, I mean, where you've seen some of these others, they are basically, look, Batman gets a Green Lantern ring. Batman becomes Cyborg. Batman becomes Flash. 
what instead what Batman gets, becomes in the Merciless is Ares. Yeah, instead he becomes the God of War. Yeah, he, the God of War has decimated the world, and a last ditch effort of Bruce and Diana, you know, get into this fight, and Diana is seemingly murdered by Ares, and in that moment, you know, Bruce experiences such a traumatic feeling that he he deems that no decision is off the table, and he picks up the helmet of Ares and he puts it on, and in that moment is corrupted beyond repair. Right. Uh, proceeds to murder Ares and then realize that Diana is not actually dead. Of course. But she was just classic unconscious, knocked out, and he right. didn't take the time. Mildly comatose right. for half a second, plot-wise. Um, and obviously when she realizes what's going on, she tries to take the helmet from him, saying, you know, this this has corrupted you. Yeah. This, you cannot wear this. Tries this to save change you. Tries to save him. And, and that goes about as well as you would think it would. Yeah, the helmet, it corrupts him immediately, and he murders Wonder Woman. Yeah. Um, leaving everything that he had a connection to. Because now behind. literally no decision is off the table. Right. Um, and this power is something that is too tempting for him to give up. Um, and so that's that's kind of a, his little backstory. But cut to Earth Zero, we are watching the heads of the various kind of secret organizations in the DC Universe. So Argus and Task Force X. Right. So Amanda Waller is there. Mm-hmm. The Phantom, uh, not the Phantom Stranger, the uh, the Outsider is there. Yeah, some of these various people, and they're trying to figure out how to deal with this problem of these Dark Batman. And here comes the Merciless. He just he attacks their base, which is clearly some kind of U.S. military base because right. there's access to nuclear weapons and these kinds of things. Right, it's basically the Pentagon deep underground. Sure, somewhere. yeah, it's very deep underground. But he finds them. And they make a they make a last ditch effort to try to stop him by dropping a nuclear bomb on themselves. Basically, um, I wonder how many megatons they used. It is a big bomb. I mean, I mean, you see it. Uh, it's a it's a, it's a <laughs> suborbital bomber, right? Being right. Flown by uh, Carol. Carol Ferris is actually there. Okay, uh, and various other characters. Right. Um, and. Oh, I'm I'm sure they used the biggest one they could I mean, get their hands big. on. Yeah, I'm, just, big. I, I'm curious about the specifics, but regardless, um, but they, it, they, it doesn't go well, right? They drop this nuclear bomb, and uh, Batman pretty much just absorbs it, right? Right? He just it 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 doesn't hurt him at all, right? Uh, no, and it, it does some devastation, but he's basically yeah. that little balloon thing from Mars Attacks. Yeah, just sucks it all in. All in, and and he. Well, I mean, it's a it's a weapon of destruction, and he is the god of war. Of course, he'd feed off of that. Why yeah. would you think that would work? Oh, absolutely. I I mean, I would prefer just to hug him. That might work. <laughs> <laughs> like he might get like really pissed off and kill you, but there's a possibility it could hurt him a little. I sure, guess. yeah. But mom was, wasn't gonna help. Yeah, it was definitely a bad decision on their part. And in the aftermath of this, they realize that and. We see, you know, him sitting on what is like a throne of rubble, and all of them literally bowed and knelt before him as a king. Right. And, you know, thusly so, he... Uh, I like to think the rubble fell that way, too. Right. Right yeah. into a throne perfectly. Yeah, before. so he could sit down. Yeah. And, and, and rest his weary feet. <laughs> and then he proceeds to, uh, to, I mean, murder Steve Trevor. At least that's what the implication is, is that going to murder Steve Trevor. Right. But he takes the helmet off in that final moment. And what we see is a Bruce who, you know, this is, this is a Bruce that is, when we watch him on his own earth, 
is still Batman, is still young, is still in his prime. Right. What we see now is a gray, bearded, old man. Right. And it's almost as if, at least the implication is that the helmet not only has corrupted his mind, but has corrupted him physically. Yeah. Um, it's aged him into Odin. Right. He looks he looks like how they portray Ares without his helmet on right. in, in the past, on his own Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, those, those are two, you know, there's, there's a one shot that has come out since then. And the next part of the bats out of hell crossover, I've not had a chance to pick those up and read those, but we are, we are inching ever closer to the end of this story. And we are inching ever closer to what I am most excited to read is the Batman who laughs. Yeah. Our final one shot. Yeah. Um, we've gotten all this information about all the other dark Batman. The one that came out this past week was, um, uh, the, the devastator which is kind of the doomsday mm-hmm. amalgam, which I've read a couple of little plot details. Apparently, you know, Superman goes evil. Batman has to stop him. Right. He turns it's, himself into doomsday. It's injustice for half a second. Exactly. Um, and I don't think there's any explanation for super, the reason why Superman goes evil, but I don't think there has to be. I mean, I'm sure that's not the focal point. if there is, it involves Lois dying in some horrible way. Sure, he yeah. snaps because we might that's as well just, it it's a tried and true route. You just use it and call it a day. Yeah, I don't uh, need no, Nobody's going to be mad about that, right. really. Like, <laughs> that's not the focal point of the story. We can move on. Right. But, uh, so I will check those out, and I'm probably going to, I'm probably going to, you know, put the brakes on as far as, uh, you know, Dark Knight's Metal Talk until we have a more, at least until number four, or maybe even number five is out, so we have a more kind of focal point, because everything right. now has just been chaos, and them all kind of reacting to said chaos. Right. Um, as far as formulating plans, they are trying to, um, but none of those plans have actually been put into action yet. Right. Um, because again, we're just now past the halfway point. So I will probably put the brakes on and we'll wait until we have a little more information before we come back to it. But it's it's been a roller coaster. I mean, it's been, I've not, even the tie-ins, which are usually kind of a, not the best part of a crossover event, mm-hmm. have been fantastic. There's not been a bad issue of this story um, every part of it's been really good, and I highly, highly recommend that you go out and check it out, especially if you're a fan of New 52 Batman, which is, this is basically the culmination of everything they've built with that story. Um, so it's worth a read if you're a fan. Um, but that's going to bring us to the end. Um, we are going to, some point in the future, get a Thor Ragnarok review up. I, I figure we'll probably wait a little while uh, yeah, just to give let some a more chance people see it. to um, see the movie. So that way, you know, more people can listen to it without it being ruined for them. But we we are going to do a spoiler review. Spoiler, of, uh, Hulk's in it. <laughs> <laughs> Hulk and Valkyrie and Loki. Oh my god! Who would have But yeah, so sometime in the future, we'll get up a, uh, a Thor Ragnarok review. We'll give you all a little time out there to uh, to check it out. Uh, remember, if you're listening to this and uh, you're having trouble finding it on your podcast reader. Um, we are we are not under the main Entertainment Geeky banner anymore. Um, we are under our own. Uh, you have to, you know, whatever podcast reader you use, whether that be iTunes or Google Play or whatever, um, just search Entertainment Geeky Presents Nerd News and you will find not only the new episodes, but all the old episodes there as well. Um, so uh, thanks for sitting in with us. Thanks, Joe, to hanging out with us today. Hey, thanks for letting me be around. I'm, I miss you. I, I got to do this more. I know. I need a, I, you know what? I need a regular co-host on this show. <laughs> yeah, I hate just sitting here talking about myself. I mean, that's fair. That gets boring. Um, yeah. I gotta read some more comics and catch up to you, and, and then I mean, I can always brief you. I mean, that's fair. Um, no, I'd be interested. 
We'll, we'll have we'll figure out a schedule. We'll, we'll talk. I'll try to be around more. We'll talk about it in the future. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for sitting in, and uh, you know, make sure to keep tuning in to Entertain the Geeky. Check out the website entertainthegeeky.com. There's links to all the Facebook and the Twitter. Um, leave us some comments. Let us know what you think about what we're doing. Let us know if uh, there's anything you'd like to hear. Um, until next time, thanks, Joe. Stay geeky out there, guys.